Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. Earlier this morning on Dave and Dejanovic's program, they had a conversation about the coronavirus and a certain measure of perceived apathy resulting possibly in the uptick in cases that we are enduring here, not only in Utah, but across the country. And those uh, increased cases are people. Uh, every time you hear the, the word case, you can supplant that word with person or human being or neighbor, friend, family member. And that's what's happening across the country right now. Not only are case numbers increasing, but so too is the need for hospitalizations among those who are ever increasingly coming down with the coronavirus. Uh, so I want to I want to continue that conversation in just a moment. I'll welcome Dave Noriega back to the program. The the question, why are we so apathetic about the coronavirus and and then why at the same time do others take it so seriously? I want to talk about evolution for just a moment. Bear with me. Uh, a few weeks ago, you and I discussed the idea that negative political ads contain the information and assertions uh, that get lodged into our memories, the negative ones. Human beings have a tendency to remember the negative and forget the positive. Uh, and when I, when I was exposed to that information, I, I laid in my bed thinking about the reality. I couldn't get it out of my head. Why is that the case? Why are we so wired to remember the negative? And I came up with a, a quasi-theory and, and believed that it, it had to have something to do with evolution. Somehow, we are able to better protect ourselves against future negative threats, and we remember the lessons learned from the past negative events. That was my my theory. And not long after I shared that here on the air, I was contacted by a handful of researchers that assured me that I had, in fact, hit the nail on the head. And now, that was bittersweet confirmation. I was pleased to have been proven right, uh, but it made me uh, it made me feel a little dismayed to learn that we really might be evolutionarily wired to hang on to the negative. Now that brings me to my second evolutionary theory. I'm going to try to go two for two, <laughs> and it brings us to the the question at hand: Why is there a certain perceived amount of apathy when it comes to our response to the coronavirus? And then at the same time, why do others take it so seriously? Uh, it comes to what some are observing as severe apathy in our collective response to COVID-19. As this thing is dragged on, regardless of the virus's spread, more and more people are reporting having met with larger and larger social and family groups. You get that? As the numbers tick up, uh, there are many who are saying, yeah, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting together with friends and family. Why? We're very good at assessing immediate, clear, and present threats. We all get the fight-or-flight response. That's hardwired. 
But what about the threats that are a bit more distant and long-term? What about the threats which we don't necessarily have uh, face-to-face? What about uh, the, the coronavirus as a theory, as something abstract, something that we have not seen either hit ourselves or our own family members? We're, we're difficult, I believe. Uh, we have a difficult time, that is. Uh, understanding and responding appropriately to threats that are presented to us uh, merely in the abstract or with uh, degrees of separation. Anyway, uh, that's my rant for a little bit. Uh, we'll see if uh, if evolution has a role in here. Uh, I'd ask you to to text in five seven five zero zero the Utah Community Credit Union text line. That is, uh, and with that said, I'll invite to the program uh, Dave Noriega with Dave and Dejanovic uh, weekday mornings here on KSL News Radio. Dave, sir, how you doing? Doing great, thanks, Lee. Sorry to extend your workday like this. I know you've been off the air for hours. You want to be hanging out with the friends, doing the homeschooling and all that. But I've got you here back again talking about the coronavirus, and so my apologies for that. No worries. You uh, and Debbie this morning, uh, you talked about two teams, Team Worry and Team Overblown. What, what, what were those two teams? Yeah, it, it seems like we, we just neatly place people in categories. And, and we don't leave for a lot of nuance. So are you the the person that just thinks the coronavirus is everything and I can barely leave my house? Or are you the person that is like, I'm not even going to wear a mask because I think it's completely overblown. And too easily we categorize our friends, our family, our acquaintances in these two categories without allowing to have some nuance and to say, you know what? I haven't directly been affected by coronavirus and the, the people that have been around me that have gotten it just don't get very sick to allow that space to exist. But to also be in the, the area where, you know what, I lost a family member, I lost a neighbor, and that's been devastating. Where, where do you find yourself falling, if you don't mind me asking? Did we lose Dave there? Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, well, what Dave is talking about there is exactly what uh, what I have observed, that there are those who have had to face directly the impact of the coronavirus. I think we have Dave back now. And Dave, I was asking the question, if you don't mind me putting it to you, where, where do you find yourself in the spectrum? I think I, if I had to land on a certain area, it would probably be more toward uh, the team overblown. And I don't mean that in the negative way that it sounds other than this. I have not directly been affected. So I cannot understand fully what it's like for people uh, that have been devastated by this coronavirus, but nor can I speak from first person experience. I can empathize, but that's a totally different experience. So uh, do I wear a mask? Yes, absolutely. Have I changed the way I live and, and restricted some of my my life? Absolutely. Do I want my kids to go back to school five days a week? Yes. And I think too often you hear people say this, like, I want my kids back in school. And you say, well, you don't care about human life, do you? And that just becomes completely counterproductive. Yeah. It, uh, you wonder, too, if somehow we are hardwired to 
uh, to you know take steps towards the the polarized. And I, I think maybe you, you are exactly right that these two teams, uh, for the most part, uh, individuals or at least members of these two teams, uh, they don't see the the nuance in the middle. To, to answer my own question, I think I might put myself somewhere uh, in, in the middle, similar to you, Dave. I haven't had uh, like a direct hit in my family. I haven't lost any loved ones. Uh, I have had a few family members come down with the coronavirus, but uh, they're you know the the discomfort that they experienced was fleeting. It it wasn't serious. It certainly didn't. Well, I shouldn't say it wasn't serious, but it didn't require hospitalization. And so my response to this, the the reason that I follow the guidance and the guidelines that are shared wherever I can find them, is more of an academic exercise and one uh, geared towards hopefully in an academic sense uh, defeating this virus. It's not due to uh, you know firsthand fear or experience where uh, those on you know team worry as you describe them may find themselves. Dave Noriega, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for weighing in here. Uh, best of luck to you. Tell your kids I said hello. Thanks. We'll do. All righty. Uh, we're going to take a break here in a moment, and then coming back afterwards, we are going to look uh, at the experience of search and rescue uh, officers over this past summer when so many Utahns have taken to the backcountry, to the mountains, to the out-of-doors to get away from everything. That's led to an uptick in the need for search and rescue services. How have they fared, and how are things looking going into winter? We'll speak with Sean Roundy next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.